We are joined by uh, Zakira Vadi, who is from Defend Our Democracy. And uh, we're going to just be talking about their take on this uh, Heritage Month as we are about to wrap it up. But I feel like, you know, Heritage Month should not just be for the month of September. Um, Us recognizing, celebrating our heritage should be something that is inculcated in us, uh, that instills pride in us. Uh, We become patriotic to to our heritage, to who we are, to our country, and it should not just end here. And I suppose that's what Defend Our Democracy is aiming to do. Zakira, thank you very much for joining us. Good evening. Good evening. Thank you very much, Patricia, and thanks to your listeners for tuning in and and listening to me. So give us your take on uh, this Heritage Month as Defend Our Democracy. So I think what we're saying is that we do need to define a heritage of accountability and transparency, and it must be a heritage that's linked to our constitutional values. And I think over time we've seen um, ethical leaders in our country but at the same time, we've seen very unethical leaders. Um, we've seen, for example, how parliament has failed us on occasion. We've seen in different municipalities how corruption has um, created dire need in terms of, of the inability of government to provide better services for people. And I think that that's not the type of, of culture and the type of heritage and legacy that we want to leave for future generations in this country. So I think it's reconfiguring what exactly do we need to put in place now so that we can continue having a heritage day that can be celebrated by all um, and that's meaningful um, in, in our country. And I think that's particularly important given the, the growing poverty rates, um, growing unemployment in the country as well. But, uh, you know, it sounds so easy when you are saying it. It sounds like something that should be ingrained within us as a people to to be ethical and accountable it doesn't sound like something that we should be talking about why have we found ourselves in a position where we are we have leaders who are not accountable nor ethical i think we've seen how personal interests um, political party interests are put above the interests of the people and that's one of the primary reasons that we do for example corruption malfeasance um, in, in government, etc. But, um, I mean, there, there's no saying um, whether, you know, it's from a young age, people are, are not taught right from wrong, because I think we do see parents doing that, we see schools doing that effectively. And as people go into the, the professional sector, we see in some instances that there is an emphasis on ethical leadership. However, I think um, if, we, if we perhaps look at the work of Professor Mark Swilling, He speaks about how there are good networks and bad networks, for example, in the public service. And it's so easy to get embroiled in a bad network. Um, Maybe someone comes and says, you know what, I can pay for your child's school fees. Um, Can you sign this document off for me? And people are in a difficult position. They sign it off. And later on, that can be be held against them. They can be blackmailed. They can be drawn further into this bad network. So there is a need, I think, to develop good networks within the public service, within all of our institutions, whether they're in the private sector or in the public sector. And I think once those good networks are strengthened, if we stand in the hands of honest public servants, um, of honest workers, I think we would begin to see a shift in our society.
We need to start seeing that shift um, and it needs to start with each and every individual. The one thing that um, you have uh, said is defend our democracy is that you support the Political Party Fund Act. Let's talk about more. Um, let's talk more about this particular fund and also how, um, you know, it being in, in, in act is making it possible for transparency. Certainly, I think this is work that was spearheaded by my vote counts and broader civil society over the last few years. So up until recently, political parties did not have to disclose exactly who was funding them. Um, and it was very difficult for a voter to discern, for example, who is funding a political party, is that political party making decisions if they are elected into power, that then favors their funders in some way or the other. And this act changes the game entirely because anyone who, who makes a donation over 100,000 rand to a political party, that information must be made public and the system is managed through the IEC. Um, civil society organizations are calling for further transparency. Um, I think they, they want to see any amount that's donated to, to a political party being declared openly. And I, I think it's important that the voter has that information so that when you make your ex next to a particular political party, um, you know you know exactly who is backing them. And perhaps that can, could inform some of their decision-making. It may, it may not, but I think voters have much more information at their disposal. And uh, that helps the voters to make a decision that is informed, a decision that is um, going to obviously help with uh, maintaining our democracy. I'd like to take a quick break and we'll be back. When we come back, Zakir, I think maybe we should talk about grassroots level education when it comes to being ethical and accountable. Because sometimes us, the voters, just don't know what to look out for. Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Social Conversations. We are still in conversation with uh, Zakira Vadi, who is from Defend Our Democracy. And uh, we are looking at their take on our heritage, uh, needing to show accountability and ethical leadership in South Africa. Now, Zakira, before we went to the break, I was asking you about grassroots level, right, as the voters. We are the ones who, in essence, end up putting political leaders and parties where they are. Um, through the way we vote. And sometimes we vote, uh, you know, biasly for whatever reason because information is not readily available for us. How can we ensure that at a grassroots level, every voter, every South African has the correct information, has the transparency, and it's not something that's just taken for granted? So I think that the next few months presents the country with a very good opportunity around voter education. Leading into 2024, we know that there was a court case a few years ago where the court ruled that for national and provincial government elections, independent candidates must be able to stand alongside political parties. So, you know, in local government elections, we have independent candidates um, and we have representatives of political parties. Whereas at a national and provincial government level, it's just political parties that stand. And the court has ruled that this now needs to change. Currently, there's a bill before Parliament um, that's very narrow and that in many more ways would advantage political parties rather than independent candidates. And in doing so, it disadvantages the voter in many ways. At the same time, there is a second option 
um, that has been prepared for Parliament to look at that allows the voter to vote either for um, political parties on one list and on a second list to vote for candidates, independent candidates, and candidates from political parties. And there's a mechanism within the system that allows voters to hold their candidates accountable. So if, for example, after a two and a half year period, your candidate, very much like a local ward councillor, but this candidate will be in parliament that you voted for. If you feel that this person isn't doing their job well, there's a mechanism in place where you can actually recall that person from their position. So there's some sort of accountability back to the public, which is not something that we have at the moment because parliamentarians tend to report back to their political parties to select them and put them on lists rather than going back to the communities or to the voters and, and reporting back to them on the decisions they have taken. So I think over the next um, few months, within our democracy is saying that there is a need for heightened voter education around this particular bill. Um, it's going to be particularly important leading into the 2024 elections. And it really gives voters, for the first time, a big opportunity to hold their parliamentarians directly accountable, which is something that we, we don't necessarily have in this country. So there is going to be a need for, for civil society organizations, community-based organizations, to ensure that they host workshop sessions on this, they're educated about it, and for the public to make a noise that Parliament just can't push through any bill that really does disadvantage the public, it disadvantages independent candidates, and it really only advances political parties at this point in time. And this, this bill, the deadline for it is December. The president has to sign off on it. So um, over the next few months, I think we have a, a window of opportunity that shouldn't be lost around public education. So this is excellent that the public can participate in this particular bill. How do they? How do we participate? Let me include myself. How do we participate before uh, the president signs off the bill? So civil society organizations have been very critical of the parliamentary process that has been unfolding. Um, and there's a general sense that these processes, the engagement, haven't been participatory enough. And that the views put forward to, to have a, a, a much more better system in place have been largely ignored. So what we're calling for at this point in time is the hosting of community workshops, number one. Number two, for any person in, 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 in different communities across the country to call their public representatives, call your constituency office, call local parliamentarian that you may know, ask them to come and explain this bill. Because from what we are hearing from, um, from people who have engaged with members of political parties, is that political party members themselves aren't really aware what this bill is about, yet they're going to be voting for it in, in a short while. So. I think it's important for ordinary citizens to be able to demand of their public representatives that they explain what they're going to be voting for. And I think in, in building this as a kind of mass-based campaign leading into December, getting people to be vocal about it, um, raising awareness about it, even in, in smaller circles and smaller groups, um, that, that can never be, um, you know, the, 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 the kind of awareness there is something that's going to be extremely important. Well, um, as we uh, wrap up, um, it's uh, very vital that, uh, you know, you just give us one, uh, your, your closing comments, firstly, and also just encourage us as South African citizens um, on holding leadership accountable and demanding for transparency. So I think um, 
we must look at the context of the country at the moment. We are going into an election cycle in, in 2024. It will be a period that is fraught with political tension. And we see this playing out at different levels within political parties, so factional battles that are playing out. We see this um, in coalition governments that aren't necessarily holding together. And we see it in, in different industries where you have kind of mafia-based operators coming in make certain influence and asserting themselves. And I think it's in this context that civic activism becomes extremely important. It's normally important, but in a context like this where there isn't necessarily a loud and clear voice saying that we need stability in this country, we need law and order, um, we need a strong stance against corruption, and we need things to be done for the benefit of this country and its people and not for individual and personal interests. I think that that voice and the emergence of that is going to be extremely important over the next two years. And I think that's our appeal as Defend Our Democracy going forward. Um, we are looking at launching Defend Our Democracy formally as a movement um, in the next few months. And we hope that individuals and organizations who are interested can get in touch with us. Our leaders are on social media. And, and if you search Defend Our Democracy, our website comes up. So please do get in touch with us on how you can get involved. And there's so many issues that, that we can engage on, from state capture to electoral reform, changing our voting system, um, and, and civic education. And we think that there is a need for collective effort in this regard. Mm, thank you so very much for joining us, Zakir. Um, it uh, was such a great pleasure and a true eye-opener. Thank you so much. It's deeply appreciated.